Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.
Wow, going back 31 years, Pretty Mage with City Lights. I came off the EP uh, from back in 1983. You know, the band put out a new record this year, and uh, we spoke with Ronnie Atkins. The new record, uh, Louder Than Ever, they re-recorded like eight of the older songs. There were a couple of new ones on there, uh, but they didn't like go back to the early catalog. They kind of stood like with the, the 90s stuff. And on, I had asked him if they'd ever think about re-recording old stuff, and he says that they didn't want to mess around with those because even the bank considered those classics and that they wouldn't want to change around too much. So they kind of focused on songs that didn't get the attention they were kind of hoping for, I guess, back in the 90s when these albums came out. But it's a pretty good record, Louder Than Loud. You know, Pretty Major is definitely a, a different sounding band today than they were back in the 80s, but they're still good and, and one of my favorites. But you know what? we got a great show for everybody tonight. Tony Foster from Sparta is my guest. Uh, this interview was pre-recorded. Uh, we did this the other day because of the time difference. Uh, we just couldn't make it happen. So I spoke with Tony, and we'll get that on in about 20 minutes or so. But until then, we'll keep the music flowing. I think I have a few new albums that came out that we'll get some songs on by. And, of course, the old classics from the 70s and 80s. But right now, my partner in crime, Tommy, what's going on? Oh, great metal one. How you doing tonight? Ah, uh, hanging in there, my friend. What's happening? Eh, nothing much. Just hanging, man. I hear that. It's, it's a little sticky out there today, you know? Yeah, it's going back to humidity, humidity, yeah, humidity again. I know, I know. But I, I, I take this over the cold weather because that's yeah, coming yeah, real Yeah, 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 right. They don't worry about snow. We don't have to worry about ice. Ugh. Absolutely. Please. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's see. We got a great show tonight. Tonight we only have one guest, which is rare. We haven't had that in a very long time. Yeah. But uh, an interview was pre-recorded a couple of days ago, so we'll get that on a little later. But uh, what do you got? Your fan on? I wait here. Yeah, I got my fan. I need. You know, I need my fan. You know. I know. I don't. You don't want me to knock out. You don't want me to. (laughs) No, no, no. I have to stop the show and run to Brooklyn and, and take it to the hospital. No, no, no. I don't need that. I'll try to. I'll move the microphone for now. How's that? Any better? Not really, but still okay. Here. Still here in the back. <laughs> That's Sorry. All right. That's all right. We'll get a tune on, and we'll get that straightened out. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here you go. Here's Midas Touch when the boots come down. All right.
Yeah, all right. There you go. Some Exuma with Silent Death. And I apologize to all those people in the chat room. There's, there's a problem at Block Talk Radio today. The oh. fly shows aren't working. The chat's not working. So people are going to come oh, in and out. Oh, the chat's not working. Okay. Yeah, yeah, try it, to... You can get in, then you get knocked out. And like, yeah, yeah, that's what I saw. That's what I saw. Knocked out, so... What are you gonna, I can't help but, you know, so you can listen to the play, like, on the outside. So if you do get knocked out again, uh, I know I just saw a whole bunch of people got knocked out with one shot. I apologize. Uh, I can't help it. You know, there's a little technical difficulties today. But you can still listen from the play. You just can't go in the chat. But not like anybody even comes yeah, in or anybody yeah. talks to us. It's usually just Iman <laughs> sometimes Eddie, you know, and that's about it. So don't worry about it. But what are you going to do? Life happens, right? Shit happens, man. I hear that. All right, there. Well, I was just reading now that uh, Blackie, the bass player for Voivod, uh, he's out of the band again. So uh, he just came back, I think, a few, well, it's probably more than that now. It's probably about five or six years since he rejoined the band. Yeah. Uh, but, he, but he had enough, I guess. So he's gone. I don't know who they're going to get to fill in now. So we'll have to see. Obviously going to be a French-Canadian, I would imagine. Or maybe we'll get back Jason Newstead. He's not doing nothing, right? <laughs> True, right? Well, he is, but he isn't, you know? Yeah, he had, I mean, he put out the albums last year. Uh-huh. And, you know, like, last week I was saying on the show, like, you know, so many bands from the 80s, uh, either, like, you know, some of them are, have never broken up. They're still together. They've played nonstop, like, you know, throughout maybe a few different lineup changes or whatever. And they've right. put out, like, you know, really good, consistent records. They've never, like, strayed far from this sound. And then you've gotten bands that have gotten back together over the last couple of years with the resurgence of, you know, what's going on. And they're putting out new records, and they're still recapturing that classic sound. But yet, it's, you know... It's new. It's modern sound, and they sound great. And you guys have done that with your new songs. It, it sounds like Tempest. I'm not going to say Pete Rotts, so that band can sue me, but it, it sounds like the early Tempest, <laughs> I'm a fan, but yet it sounds like it's brand new. It is brand new, but it sounds like new modern stuff. You guys managed yeah. to, you know, capture yeah. the old sound with, with the sound of today and mix it together. Right, right. And I think that it's great. So why, why, how come bands like Metallica and Megadeth and the rest of them can't do that? Why can't they? The audience is, we're going back to the old sound. We're going back old school. Everything says that now because it's fashionable again. But they can't. They're not. They're not writing music that sounds like that. I don't not get truly, it. Truly, not truly doing it. I yeah. think they lose. They 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 lose their. I don't know if it's division or something. I mean, I guess they got older, and you know, they got wives. They got you know different influences in their life. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know what? Here's a band that hasn't lost uh, any of their vision. I like that word. Yeah. Yeah. This is a band called Tempest of Pete Rock. Here you go. So here's your oh. band, Savage Fury. I got the good version you sent me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
go. Tommy's band. What do you want to call it, T? Tempest Brooklyn. <laughs> there you go. I was going to tell you, you know, there's a there's a Tempest from Germany. They've been around for quite some time. I mean, you know, I, I don't think they're old school. They're like like a newer type of band, I believe. But they're on one of the festivals in Germany, the bigger festival. Not in Germany, in Europe, I should say. I'm not sure where it is. And they're advertised as Tempest. That band didn't sue them, so fuck them. Eh, you know, I mean, I think it's because we're in, you know, in the United States. They, you know. Oh, screw them. Don't worry about it. There you go. Tempest, Brooklyn, Tommy's Band, brand new song, Savage Fury. Thanks. You got to get that out for people to buy. Yeah, well, that's that's the next uh, plan. We're going to try go. to record a few more. we got like a little EP going, you know? Absolutely. I can't wait for that. Yeah. Then I can have you on the show as a guest instead of a co-host. <laughs> Will I show up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't have to put you in the book if you don't. Oh, forget about it. About <laughs> fact, speaking of the book, we got a couple of bands we got to add this uh, week. But I'm not going to go through the whole rigmarole. We're just going to add them right into there. Okay. First up is the band Ailstorm, that freaking pirate metal band. That guy uh-huh. backed out of three interviews with me. We're two with Ailstorm and one with his band Glory Hammer. He never called in. Wow. So, not that we played them on the show anyway, because we never played that kind of music here to begin with, but if we did, we wouldn't play them anymore. So, they're banned from the show. The other one is Helium with Anne Boleyn. Three times, I mean, she, for a year, for over a year, call this person, call that person, call this person. I finally get it hooked up, and she doesn't show up. It's like, oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. Let's do it again next week. Doesn't do it again. So, Helium is in the book. Banned from the show for good. That's it. So, let it be written. So, let it be done. That's right, you'll never hear them on the show again, so there you go. All right, well, you know what? It's time to get on some music by Sparta. We'll go right into the interview with Tony Forster right afterwards. You know, this show was all about classic 80s, you know, the underground. And, man, I dug up a shitload of classic 80s bands that are going to come on in the next couple of weeks. I'm just waiting for confirmations from a few of them. But we'll get that rolling next week. I mean, I found bands that never left the demo stage, bands that had one song out. <laughs> you know, we really dug deep, and but we wow. got them on there. So that'll start coming next week, and we'll have them on over the next few weeks. So that's what this show is all about, giving those bands some time and attention for what they did back in the day. You're good, man. You're good. All right, I try to be. All right, here you go. Sparta, Lords of Time.
he's gudging up the stars. Lots of time travels in space, gudging up the stars. Lots of time travels in space, gudging up the stars. Lots of time travels in space, gudging up the stars.
I mean, I tell you, there's nothing better than classic new wave of British heavy metal. Sparta with Lords of Time. Like I said, I spoke with Tony the other day. Here's what he had to say. We had a bad connection. I think Tony was using the built-in microphone on the computer when we were talking, so it's a little muffly, uh, but it gets better as it goes along. So just sit back and enjoy. Fascinating band. Big fan of them. We'll get on something off the new record right after the interview. So here you go. Tony, it's Mike. Can you hear me? Oh, hi. You're right. Oh, great. How are you? Fine, thanks. Good. This technology is incredible, huh? Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> when, you you config- right. when you can figure it out, it's great. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really great to talk with you today. And, and being such a fan going back to those early days in the 80s with all those singles, if somebody told me that Sparta would have a new record out 35 years later, yeah. I would say they were lying. I would say a lot of people would have said that <laughs> It's quite interesting that a lot of the reviews for the new album said it took you 35 years to release your first album, which is, uh, which is correct. I mean, that was our first full-length uh, written album that we, you know, actually recorded ourselves and produced and, and mixed. So it was quite a good thrill to have it out after all these years. Sure, like you said, it really is the first full-length record because yeah. you know, back in the early days when the band formed in the late 70s, you guys had a couple of singles out, kind of like yeah. one after the other. Yeah, well, when we started at Sparta, we did a demo tape, which was actually released on the Hades Records, uh, Best of Sparta, I think in 2006, with it along with some other tracks. We, uh, we were there right at the start of the new wave of British Heavy Metal, and we just wanted to get our foot on the ladder, so we uh, we had an offer of a record deal, but they wanted us to wait several months while they they were involved with Witchfind at the time. I don't know if you're aware of yeah. that band from England. Yeah. Well, we couldn't wait, so we uh, we financed the first single, uh, Fast Lane Fighting to Be Free, recorded it ourselves, pressed it ourselves, you know, did the whole thing, and got it out to out on general release for our own record company, Suspect Records. So we were eager to get something out there, you know, that was uh, with our name on it, so that we could be part of the uh, the new movement that was starting at the time. Sure, and and you talk about, like, the new movement, which now is referred to as a new wave of British heavy metal, but back then it didn't really have a name. But, I mean, did you see, like, all these great things happening around you as far as all these new bands coming out? And I mean, because you guys were really in the beginning of a whole new sound wave of what was taking place. You kind of took a little bit of what was going on in the past and, you know, added something new to it. But did you see that happening all around you? We did. Um, We were fortunate that we were already, uh, we had a band called Xerox, before Sparta, who played heavy metal. Uh, we also played covers. When that band split up, we uh, joined forces with the Radders Brothers, uh, Carl, Snake and Raj. And uh, we realized then it was very early days, but we were in at the start of something. It, it, it was similar to the punk movement in the, in the mid-70s, that a band could uh, you know, start and release a record. Not quite as simple as the punk movement, but... You know, if you could play and, and you were good at what you did, then you could you could normally get a record out. And at that time, even if you self-financed and released a single, you you knew you, you would get some interest. You know, we got quite a bit of interest from that. So basically, that's what started us off. Yeah, I, you know, I remember it was around '82 because back then, you know, everybody did a lot of things on cassette, 
And we had yeah. pen pals. We didn't have a Facebook and stuff back then. Yeah. And I had a couple of pen pals over in the UK to send me, you know, a cassette with the Tonight single on there. And that's when I became a fan of the band. It was like a year after it came out. And yeah. I couldn't help but think back then, I mean, like, how would, you know, it, it was so advanced, like what you were doing back then. It was so new. Yeah. I mean, Angel of Death, I mean, I heard that. I was like, I, I, there was nothing else like that out there. You guys are so far ahead, I think, of the game back then. Yeah, we've, we've said many times that you know, Angel and Death was quite a conceptual type song. It was the, it was not the usual, you know, bass verse chorus type song. It was it was a bit of a concept record where it fell into two, three different movements, you know, and, and there was the interesting bit in the middle with the the, the lead guitar singing over and the singing over it. And you know, we were really happy with that. It was. I've had other interviews, obviously, with different people, and they've always said that they, they thought that was the standout, at that time, the standout track of the time of the new wave, you know, just as it was coming out. And, you know, I'm proud to have written that track. And in many ways, that was why we re-recorded it for the new album, because the band still is one of the band's favourite songs still. And we thought, well, we've got all this new technology, we've got digital recording, we've got double tracking, we can jump big guitars, singing guitars, you know, different vocals. So I thought, well, we'll re-record it uh, just to see what happens. But also, um, it appears on the new album there's a link between the past and the present, basically. You know, and I think you probably agree that we've basically carried on where, where we left off in the 80s, you know. I, I do. I mean, I, not only do I think you carried on where you left off, but I think this is what the band would have sounded like if you were continually putting out records over 30 years because there's not one song on the album that sounds dated. Everything sounds new, modern, and fresh, but yet it retains that classic spot of sound. So I think you did an amazing job on it because it does yeah, well, put you new. We, we, we uh, High Roller Records released the album. They're big uh, new wave of heavy metal fans. But they've got all the singles and they knew about the band. And we actually, we paid to, to record the album. We actually recorded it in a local local studio. I mean, it's a professional recording studio, but it's very small. It's not, you know, your big Iron Maiden type setup. And we were very conscious from the start that we wanted to sound just as we did, but with a more modern type of uh, recording and, and, you know, song, songwriting. But I think you're right in that, you know, we... Although the songs are quite diverse on the album, you know, they range from concept songs to uh, straightforward rock and roll rebel type songs, we, we do feel, and, and it has been said by several people who I've spoken to and been interviewed by, that they think it, it was a virtually seamless transition from the early 80s to, you know, to 2014. Yeah. Which is a compliment in a way. It really is. You know, a lot of people think that the band kind of disappeared. I mean, you know, before we had the internet, we really had no way of knowing yeah. what bands were up to. But a lot of people think the band kind of faded away after the compilation record came out. But you guys kind of continued on almost until the 90s, or the late 80s, at the, at the latest at least. Yeah, we carried on after that. We did, we did play occasional gigs. We kept in touch. You know, uh, the, the real spark was when um, Carl Redder, the, the singer, uh, actually joined Facebook. And of course, this was a whole new world to us as well. I mean, as you say, when we were kids, you, you, you know, you, you wrote letters and you, uh, you sent people physical records, you know, to record companies and things. Yeah. So to, um, to have all this technology, and as soon as he'd registered on Facebook in his own name, the, the guys from Germany got in touch straight away and said, are you, are you Paul Renner, the youth of English Sparta? And that's kind of what started the whole thing off again, you know, we'd 
we've been playing and we'd played gigs. We've not thought about recording any more material. But suddenly we've got this interest from, you know, High Roller Records in Germany who were prepared to uh, release basically as much material as we could give them. So we scoured all our archives, you know, tapes, demos, radio interviews, radio recordings, just about everything we could ever got. And we got, actually got 26 songs, so it just shows that, you know, although we weren't on people's main timeline, we, uh, we were actually there in the background recording right up until the, uh, you know, the early 90s. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, was there any attempt? In the, I know uh, Carl was out of the band. I think around eighty-two, maybe eighty-three. Yeah, was. was there and uh, was there any attempt like during that time? I mean, like you had demos out, but was there any attempt to actually put anything out, like another album, or did you just not even bother? Because I know the we did try. Um, we did quite a lot of radio shows, uh, which we used as demo tapes. You know, they were professionally uh, mixed and, and whatever. We did try, but to be fair. You know, the mid mid eighties to late eighties, the, the the whole new bus type thing had been taken over the, by the bands that actually made it. You know, your Iron Maidens, your Saxons, and Death Leopards. I mean, I remember Death Leopard playing in the local club, and us all going to see them. And they were fresh-faced young rock bands from Sheffield. You know, but obviously, within a short time, they became sort of superstars. So. From that point of view, we were there, but we were we weren't carried along by the impetus that we were in, in late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, well, like I said, the the usual weapon uh, conversation was great because we did get to hear a lot of stuff that came out in the mid eighties, and a lot of stuff I guess had Mark on vocals. Like he was singing with the band at that time. Yeah, uh, because we had Trevor Morgan before that, who, who, who was a great singer in the ACDC type uh, vocals. Stuff. And he, he featured on the album on a uh, session we did for uh, a radio, a local radio station, which is quite good. And then Mark Henshaw joined, and he was the vocalist up until when I actually left, which was uh, 1985. So they were still going then uh, with the same singer. Yeah. And, uh, without without the guitarist. I remember hearing about Richter scale. Uh, was that the yeah. continuation of Sparta? Was that something different? Richter scale was the, probably the last of the dice for the uh, Redders boys. Okay. And Tony Warren, uh, who, who was the bass player throughout the whole uh, campaign. And uh, they had actually got a deal with um, Ebony Records, who released the first Savage album. I'm sure you've heard of Savage. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately... They were all in the process, and then the label actually went bust. So that virtually was. There are some tracks on the Use Your Weapon as well, like Lord and Master, um, let's see, Trees and Fields, Wild Touch, that were done during that era. But that was virtually um, the last stuff that was recorded by Sparta. Yeah. Well, like you said, like uh, everybody gets on Facebook, they start making friends again, they start finding everything out. When did you realize there was an interest in Sparta? I mean, did it come about through the internet age where you started seeing people talking about the band? Well, when High Roller Records got in touch, I mean, we were probably quite amazed that anybody actually still remembered that Sparta, you know, because at that time we were doing well with sold records. We were on radio and, you know, getting singles of the week and various stuff. But once that had gone, we virtually had no contact with with the old metal world. But once Tyrola got involved and we started delving deeper and Carl through Facebook, 
you actually realised that there was quite a few people out there who, like yourselves, who, who remembered the original records. And uh, interestingly, when we played Brofest in uh, March this year, which is the uh, British equivalent of the new wave of heavy metal festival type thing, the features old bands, um, we had a, quite a few guys who came over from America with the original records. Wow. Time. Now, that is absolutely amazing, you know, after all this time that people would turn up and come all that way to, to, to us to, to decide quite a few, you know, the original original singles from, from the early 80s. That's incredible, because there were only like a thousand copies printed of them back then. That's right, yeah. I mean, obviously, the, 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 it is accessible now through huge weapon as well. Uh, and was on um, Lady's best of uh, Sparta, which was the American uh, record company that made you aware of them. That's back right. In, back in 2006, I think. Yeah, right. Did you have any involvement in that, that, that company? Well, it was kind of a long story. Back in the mid-90s, I sold a lot of uh, surplus stuff. Um, I mean, we've not talked about scene of the crime, but... I had a few copies of that that I sold to him, and a few more, uh, few copies that were left of the singles, and I sold them to him. And I sent him a tape, and uh, that was in 1996. So I was quite amazed ten years later to see it appear on a on an album. Yeah, that's happened. Well, you know, Scene of the Crime was on the label that you guys started, the Suspect label, right? Yeah, that was uh, again. You see the. This is very much a do-it-yourself uh, heavy metal label. That's right. Um, we, we recruited uh, the other bands, you know, Tyrant, Savage. And uh, Panzer Division. And uh, we all paid £200. And we all paid jointly for the uh, recording, the pressing, the artwork and everything. And then for that, you got 200, uh, 200 albums. Yeah. Produced for your own uh, publicity. Were, were all those bands like Savage and Panzer Division and Tyrant all from your area? And yeah, they all yeah, local they bands all that you from, played uh, with? They were from, I don't know if you know England, but they were Savage and Assault were from Tyrant or from Nottinghamshire. Panzer Division were from Sheffield. And uh, Manitou were from Leicester. They were all within 50, 40, 50 miles. So how was the scene like where you came from at that time? Were there enough clubs like to sustain the band and to get out and play and to and you know to really like you know make your bones, or did you have to kind of travel out and around? There was uh, a, a pretty good scene locally, and also Redford Porterhouse at that time was a was a big uh, clearinghouse for up and coming new wave British heavy metal bands, and we were fortunate and got to play there quite a lot with bands like Praying Mantis. Geddes Act, Lionheart, Diamond Head, you know, bands that were up and coming, not quite made it, but were on the way. So we, we did get a lot of exposure that way. And we did travel, you know, to London and places like that, that further afield to try and get gain more attention, if you like. Sure. But there was a reasonably good uh, local scene, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Tony, Welcome to Hell Now, all these years later, is out. And like I said, you re-recorded Angel of Death, and I think you did a great job on it because you kind of kept it true to the original, but you just kind of updated it a little bit. Was it hard not to tinker with, like, one of the older classic songs too much where you didn't want it to be, like, unrecognizable to some of the older fans? Did you have to, like, draw a line on how much to yeah. play around with it? We just wanted to tweak it, really. Get a better guitar sound, get a better... We've got some nice dual guitar 
stand in the middle uh, slow section that we, we didn't get. We got some double vocals that we, we didn't get originally. The sound, the sound is, as you know, very similar to, to the original Angel of Death as, as the old al album sound is. So we, we, we knew we weren't going to record a right and out heavy metal sort of over the top, really loud sort of thing, but it's just a homage really. And as I say, it was a nice, um, the band all liked the song, you know, and we wanted a link between the, it had been so long, a link between the past and the new. And I think that did the job perfectly, basically. Yeah, I, I think you did a great job in this album. Were there any other songs on here that maybe had some older parts from back in the day that you just never got around to recording that you were able to dig up again and, and rework them into the new material? Soldier of Fortune was a song that I wrote in about 1984. Uh, the words are the same and the rhythm's the same, but that is about as near as it gets. It is the chorus and everything else is completely different. But that, that song is it, probably unrecognisable from the original one, but as I say, the lyrics were the same, and we kind of got into a Dogs of War type thing, which we recorded you know, in, in the mid-80s, which was about uh, mercenaries, basically. And Soldiers of Fortune is, is, is an older version of that type of idea. Yeah. Uh, sorry, how hard was it getting, like, you know, this classic lineup back together? Were you guys in touch over the years, or did you just come about, you know, when you wanted to get the album out with High Roller? No, we, we, we played together. We, we kept in touch. You know, we, we, we've always seen each other socially, you know, locally. But I think it was the impetus from uh, the Use Your Weapons al album, you know, and, and we, we then thought, well, hang on a minute, there, there are some people out there who would actually... Uh, like me, here's some, uh, some new stuff, and we recorded, uh, I wrote Welcome to Hell uh, as the first track, um, and we recorded that in the studio where we recorded everything else, and uh, I said to Hyrola, you know, we've got, got this and, and a couple more songs, do you want me to send you a copy and see what you think? So I sent him a, a copy of Welcome to Hell, which was basically... Um, a finished product from our point of view. We'd mixed it, it had been recorded and we'd got all the effects that we wanted on it. And they were quite wild for it, you know, they, they really liked it and they said, well, you know, this just sounds like 1982, the original Sparta, and, you know, go ahead, we'll, 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 uh, we'll get it out, we'll, we'll record it, you know, we'll put it out for you. And uh, it, it went from there, really. Yeah, well, you know, what I love about High Roll is that, you know, besides you know, giving all these bands a shot of putting out new music, they release yeah. everything on vinyl, too. And, you know, being somebody from, you know, <laughs> from yeah. the 70s who grew up, I love having these albums on vinyl because I just feel it has such a bigger, thicker, richer sound than a CD or an MP3. Uh, how do you like the sound on the vinyl compared to, like, you know, the technology we have today with the MP3s and the downloads? Well, I'm, I'm with you all the way. I mean, a vinyl release to me is always superior to a, to a CD release. I mean, you, you can hold it, you can touch it, you can read the lyrics, you can read stories on the inside pages, you know, and it's a physical thing. And, and the sound is it's probably clearer than it actually is on the uh, on CD recordings because of the way it's done. But I rather, you know, they, they do release virtually everything on CD and vinyl, so that, that's a good, a good thing from that point of view. 
It is. And what I love is I remember when CDs came out, you know, in the mid-80s or the early 80s, it was like the death kneel for the vinyl record. And now all these years yeah. later, when the MP3s kind of killed the CD, you know, the CDs, yeah. now that vinyl records are making maybe not the biggest comeback, but at least the fans are collected. It's making it a way of, for bands to generate revenue again because people are buying the vinyl where they can't bootleg it like uh, they can with the, the downloads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also, um, you know, you've got your various marketing flows of vinyl where, you know, we, our um, vinyl was released on white vinyl, limited edition, and, and black vinyl. So you, and they all do all sorts of colors, you know, marble vinyl with usual weapons well, and it was on, and that does appeal to collectors, you know, that they can get something that's, that's probably only 200 press, you know, of the, um, the white vinyl one, and, you know, you can get it. It's not going to be there forever, you know. So it is actually a collector's asset, you know. So that's a good thing from the vinyl point of view. Uh, absolutely, I have the vinyl as you know, as well as the, yeah. I get the digital for the show. But I actually bought the vinyl because I love having it. I tell my wife, I, I refuse to buy a new car until they stop putting cassette, cassette deck plays back in the cars again. I won't buy a new car until I get a cassette deck player in there. Yeah, well, that's the you know, in a way, we are going back to the eighties, you know, with, with new technology. And I can remember sending vinyl records all around the world and sitting in, you know, in a little room, putting them in uh, parcels and sellotapes and everything and, you know, sending them to Japan and America and you think, God, I hope these get there, you know. Yeah. It's a piece of thing and it's wrapped in cardboard, you know. And it was, you know, that, that's how it was at the time, you know. That, that's the way it was done. Absolutely. I mean, nowadays, to, to be honest, and I'll tell you that how progressive it is, we actually did all the recording and transfers and everything via the internet. Um, yeah, there was, we, we shipped the original uh, master tape, the uh, master recording of the album, but everything else, including all the uh, comeback from uh, Thomas Engel, who eventually remixed the album in Germany, was, was through the internet. You know, these are people we've never actually met, so, but we've recorded an album and released it. Yeah. I mean, that's phenomenal, really. That, that's the way a lot of bands are doing it today. You have bands today with members all over the, the country that are in the same band, and they don't even meet each other, know each other, they just play and record. How did you find the recording today, like with the technology we have now, with it all being digital, compared to the old days when it was like analog or on, on reel-to-reel? Well, I'll give you, when we recorded Lords of Time for, for the scene of the crime album, I mean, it's a very complicated song, and you would get three quarters of the way through it, and the drummer would or the vocalist or the guitarist would make a mistake. And in those days, you had to go back to the beginning. Yeah. And start again, which was a real bugbear, you know, a real, you might take you 10, 10 goes to get it remotely right, but you couldn't pick it up where it stopped in those days. Now, with the digital recording, you can actually drop notes in or chords. If somebody makes a mistake, it's only on that one track. You don't have to re-record everything just because somebody's played the dumb note. Yeah. You can actually drop a, a good note in, you know, or take a bit from... I mean, what you do is you record six or seven different tracks with the same thing, so that if one you make a mess of, and that's a better, a better guitar solo, say, that there's one bum note in it, you can pick the note out of another uh, track that you did and drop it in, and keep the you know the better one, whereas before you'd have had to scrap it and go to another one, which might perhaps you wouldn't have been so bored. You, you have to love technology. Everybody says yeah. sometimes you know it's too much, but in a case like that, where it could save the band so much time and money, and you know the frustration of having to you know play it again, that that is a great tool to have. 
Yeah, I mean, we were amazed. I mean, we'd not recorded properly since the 90s, and when we went in and I saw this screen and a keyboard, and that was it. You know, in the old days, you'd have a 24-track mixer desk, massive speakers, you know, sound booms, massive headphones, you know, and it was all... Uh, I mean, it was good fun, don't get me wrong, and, you know, it, that was the way it was done at the time, but to sort of walk in and uh, start and basically, you know... Go, go through and record the drums and the vocals and stuff, and then pull them all together and mix it. It's a much uh, more civilized, if you like, way of, uh, way of recording nowadays. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, Tony, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I appreciate you talking with me today. Like, I'm such a big fan. And, I, and the Welcome Hell album is so great. People can keep up with you guys on Facebook to find out what's happening with the band yeah, and why yeah. the records were high roller. And what do you have coming up right in the near future for the band? Anything lined up uh, coming up soon? Um, we're playing uh, a local gig with the Taft Taylor Band. I don't know if you've heard of them. They're actually American. They support Graham Bonney um, when he does his occasional foray, Lex Rainbow Singer. Uh, we're playing with him in August. We're then playing a few more local gigs. And next year we've got a couple of festivals booked. We're hoping to get over to Germany where there's quite a big uh, following for Sparta. Yeah. And also we're playing uh, another... Um, British uh, New Wave of Heavy Metal Festival in August called Power and Glory. So, yeah, there's, there's things happening. That's great, man. I, I hope one day I can catch you guys live here in the U.S. I'll be coming to the U.K. in uh, September, so if you have anything going on during that week, I would love to come see you yeah, guys. Let me play. know when you come in, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. I will, absolutely. And, and when you play with Taz, Taylor Thomas said hi. He's a good friend of the show, Taz. Oh, you know, dear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Amazing guitar no player. No problem. Yeah, I've, I've seen his stuff on the Internet, so that should be good. To just say, you know, Sparta UK on Facebook, it, it, it has all old pictures of Xerox and Sparta, all the original recording uh, photos and everything. It's well worth a look if, if you're interested in Sparta or New Wave Bridge Heaven Now. Absolutely. Tony, thank you very much. The best of luck with the band and the new record. I appreciate you talking with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks very much. Take care. Bye.
right, that was Manitou with the Overlord, and that comes off the scene of the crime uh, compilation, or split album that we were talking with Tony about that he had put out on his label, the band's label, back in the day. And, you know, there were such great bands on that compilation. I think it's one of the best ones. The Tyrant was on there. Uh, Savage was on there. Naturally, Sparta was on there. Panzer Division was on there. Great, great compilation. And, you know, T, it's amazing that, you know, a band who put out a couple of singles 35 years ago can get back together, put a brand new record out. It sounds great, and the fans remember them. And that's, you know, that's the one great thing about rock and metalheads is that, you know, we support from the beginning till the end. You know, it's like, you know, from the, from the womb to the tomb. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Great stuff over there. So I'm glad those guys are back. And we dug up a whole bunch of classic new wave of British heavy metal bands that we're going to get on in the next couple of weeks. And it's amazing. All of them that had gotten back together after all these years have their original lineup intact. So that's pretty good. Must be something in the water over there in the UK that keeps them all living long. Well, they're tired of listening to Lady Gaga and, and, and Kanye West. Well, Lady Gaga looks like he's going to be doing some work with uh, Rob Halford, so uh, oh, doing a duet or something together. I don't know. Well, I didn't Wait. mean her. You know, I mean that that ilk, I should say. I you know, know what you're saying. That, supposedly that's she, has a, she has a, uh, you know, she has some sort of like for heavy metal, so we'll see. I don't know. But you know, yeah. it's just silly, you know? I know. Of course it is. It's going to be but cheesy. But if it gets but... people to buy Judas Priest records, I guess it's a good thing. Exactly. That's what it's all about, selling records and nothing else. And today, that's a hard thing to do. So, yeah. you know, if you can tap into the Lady Gaga crowd, which I don't exactly see being priest fans. You know, she may be like a little bit of a metalhead herself and love some of the, the classical metal, you know, but I don't think her yeah. fans are. <laughs> you know uh, I, I mean? don't think I'm listening to Sad Wings of Destiny, you know. Yeah, no, not at all. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe Johnny be good, but, you know. <laughs> you yeah, know. right. Their version of Johnny be good. Yeah. What can you do? There's nothing you can do about that. You got another thing coming. Like, oh, wow. That's right. Well, that'd be right I'm up for rally. You have another I'm thing coming. Fan. I'm a priest fan. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody jumps on the bandwagon, you know, when things happen. It, it was always like oh. that. And metalheads were no less, you know, when when hair metal became big, every hard rock, Judas Priest was running around in red leather oh, and spandex. Yeah. and Saxon. They, was, I mean, it's Saxon. They Saxon worked too. songs, but come on, they look like a bunch of... <laughs> exactly. Oh, it was God. hard. It would have been Celtic Frost when they came out with the... Oh, that was something, I think it was... Yeah. How was it? Vanny Nemesis? One, uh, cold, uh, cold Lake, I think it was. Well, that they was went, they went total, like metal. That was a total transformation. They went from, you know... Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you go back to the 80s, like, you know, when, you know, Y&T was just a great hard rock band. I don't ever really consider, like, heavy metal. I mean, Mean Streak was more metal and Earthshaker was than the other yeah. stuff. But they started out as a rock band, like, in, you know, in the 70s. Huh. Right. And they were good hard rock band. But I remember, like, in the mid-80s when metal, like, took off and hand metal became really, really big. They kicked out their drummer, Leonard Hayes, because he wasn't good looking enough. That was what the story was in a lot of the magazines yeah. back then, because they wanted to, the rest of them were pretty good looking guys, I guess, you know, when they all did themselves up to fit in with the hair metal craze that was going on, and yeah. YTV, you know, Summertime Girls, All-American Boy, they had him kicked, you know, he parted ways with the band because they felt he didn't have uh, the physical looks of the image to fit into where they wanted to go, and they brought yeah. in Jimmy DeGrasso, who fit better, you know, look-wise, yeah. but you know, it, that's the extreme that bands went there, you kick out long-term members because, you know, they weren't pretty boys. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. I know. I, I, that's why I thank God every day that I'm so fucking good looking. That's why I we never have to break up. <laughs> 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 never have to worry about that stuff. We had to break <laughs> up because we could do. You know. It's too much. I know. 
It's rough out there. All right. Let me see what we got here. We got 45 minutes left in the show. It's weird only having one guest on because usually we're rushing to get some songs and, yeah, yeah. and all that other shit. And we never have time to bullshit about anything. So it's kind of nice having just one guest on tonight. Yeah, gives definitely. us a lot of time to play music. Definitely. Yeah, so I, I didn't get to read the article yet, but I, I guess Gene Simmons has, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know what it is. There's some reality show coming out this weekend. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, so forgive me. One forty or something, or I can't. I don't remember the name of it. Obviously, Kiss involved in it somehow. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think, as a matter of fact, I think it's on tonight on Sunday night. Uh, so I guess Gene Simmons is doing press again, and you know, threw a couple of jabs out there. I guess, I guess, you know, Ace and Peter again about being drug addicts, and he was like giving this chronology, like, you know, well, you know, if you get a flat tire on a car, you know, what do you do? You fix a flat tire and you move on. You know, you know. But he kept directing it really towards the tune about the drug use and everything. Yeah. I, I, I mean, when do you let that die down? I mean, you know, I, I can see if you're writing your book and you're documenting the history of Kiss and you're letting everybody know what went on. But, I mean, I mean really, after all, I mean, it hadn't been in the band, what, like 10 years now, the two of them? Yeah. For the second time? So let it go. No, you know, let it, why even bring it up anymore? Let it go, you know? I don't know. I'm curious oh, what the new show is. Fourth and Loud? Fourth and Loud? That's it, fourth and loud. I have no idea what it is. I just heard about it today for oh, the first time. Oh, it's the arena football. Oh, he must be. He must own the team then, I guess. Yeah, they own that kiss team. The LA okay, team. there you go. That's what it is. Oh, I guess it's. I don't know. I guess they're gonna talk about that. That must be what it is, because he was doing. They're doing press it to him, and that's where they they are right now with that. So I'm like, all right, come on, let it go. I mean, you know, I just read the last Kiss book that came. I don't remember which one it is. My daughter bought it for me for Father's Day. The one that kind of chronicles the band from, uh, like, the very beginning to, like, 1974. goes up to, like, 75. Uh-huh. I forgot the name of the book. And, and it was pretty good. But when you read it, I mean, it's like you can – you listen to, like, Gene and, 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 uh, and Paul. Like, they kind of went along with anything they were told to do by Bill O'Coin and, I guess, uh, Tim Bogart from Casablanca. Who was like, yeah. the man. like anything they set for them to do, they kind of did. Like they didn't like show like they do now, where like they're, like such in charge of everything. They went with the program back then, like because they just wanted to make it big. They didn't care about anything. Uh, but it, it was it was a pretty good book, you know. Obviously, it has to be excerpts from like all over the place because most of the people that are like talking about the book, they've been dead for years. So it looks like all things that they had said, they kind of inserted into the book. But it wasn't a bad book, mostly because they didn't have time to bash anybody to do with them. It was more about like the beginning and the history of the band, so it really wasn't too bad. Yeah, that's so, when they they got along, I guess. And... Well, for a short period of time, anyway. <laughs> you know, who knows? But the but the Peter Chris book was a good read. But the guy is just like a crybaby. I mean, he just moans and groans through the whole freaking book about everything. I'm like, come on, listen. You were given the opportunity of a lifetime. I mean, you worked for it. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's like a one in a million chance of making it, like in, in, a, in a band, and get it to like that arena st- level stage. When you yeah. get it, you know, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, I know I get that. But sooner or later, you guys say stuff, you know, am I willing to lose making millions of dollars, fame and yeah. fortune, you know, just because I want to keep getting high, drunk, I mean, or whatever. Well, you know, it was a little older than them. You'd think maybe he would wise up and say, you know, I yeah, he get was my life right? together. Yeah, I got yeah. my life together. He had a wife who loved him. Yeah, I don't. and a, and a good looking one at that too. Yeah, she was pretty cute. That first wife of his. Uh, the first one wasn't bad. The second one was better. She was the oh, she was the model, right? The model, the model. Maybe that's what I'm thinking was, of. Yeah, the second one was better looking. First I'm one wasn't bad. She was a sweet person because. They're still friends to this day, you know. And yeah, 
but I guess you know, like that. You know, thank God we don't we don't have to worry about these type of addictions except for food. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's about all we have. That's, that's about all we have. That's enough. <laughs> and metal and metal. Okay. Yeah. You catch us in the back room of a concert, snorting a Twinkie or something. <laughs> cake yeah, batter. Yeah, yeah. Cake yeah, mix. Yeah, you get like one of those uh those How dehydrated those dehydrated the dehydrated Sniff <laughs> 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 the fucking uh the the oh god I'm talking I got the ding dong on my back, man. I got that ding dong on my yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't get it off. I can't quit that ding dong habit. <laughs> I got a cheesecake on my back. I did that the other day because you know, I'm, I'm on Weight Watchers all the time trying to lose the weight and keep it off. And like I get a day like, you know, like when I'm, you know, because I'm working in the city all the time and I work there at nighttime. Oh, yeah. So like when you're in like midtown Manhattan, shit is over 24-7 there. I mean, restaurants, you know, food vendors, food carts, sure. they're all over the place, you know. Yeah, so I kind of yeah. like it when we're like more uptown, the residential area because it's quieter and, you know, there's not yeah. as many stores, you know. So when you like get down, there's like four food carts on each corner of McDonald's. Yeah. And like I'm still like, oh, my God. And you, just, and you get that window rolled over. You just smell the hamburgers cooking. You smell this yeah. and that. Uh-huh. I can't get it. So the other night, I was like, you know what? I'm going to move for White Castle. I'm going to treat myself. I, I was good this week. And I go there. They have the grilled chicken sandwich. And when you get the grilled chicken sandwich, it's a little better than you know, the other shit, even though it's not much better. I think it's like a quarter of a calorie less than the regular food. But I was like, let me get the grilled chicken sandwich, right? So the guy's like, I'm sorry, no grilled chicken sandwiches left. I saw you ran out. He goes, no, no we don't serve them after 10.15. go, 10.15? Go, You're 24 hours a day. He goes, yeah, go, if you want a regular chicken sandwich with cheese, we can make it out, but not the grilled chicken. Uh, first of all, it's not even like you're cooking it. They come to you already made. You're just yeah. sticking it in the friggin' steamer. And, he, and then I said, maybe it's just this one branch here, whatever. They don't have, you know. Then I went to uh, another one, and it was the same thing there. I'm like, why are, they, why are they only serving grilled chicken sandwiches from 8 o'clock at night to 10 15? What is it like? Uh, yeah, like, you're 24 7. Everything should be available all the time. <laughs> a grill, I'm like, grilled chicken. Like, what am I going to say? Onions. We only serve onions on the hamburgers from 11 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. I mean, I, I don't get it. <laughs> and I was so dying for that. And the other day I got there, it was ten sixteen. I said, "Holy shit, I got here just in time, you know." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah, go yeah. chicken sandwich. She's like, "Go, oh, you just made it." I was like, "Yeah, I know. I tried for two days in a row. I couldn't get here." That's too funny. Yeah, I don't get that. Well, you know, I don't know. I can't figure it out. <laughs> That's life. What are you gonna do? All right, let me see. What can we do here? You know what? We didn't get to play any new music last week. Well, I think we did, but not all the stuff I wanted to. Got okay. the brand new Grave Digger, Return of the Reaper. Yeah. Uh, pretty good record. We're going to have Chris uh, Bolters all on again in a couple of weeks. Uh, he's doing press. We'll get him on the show. Uh, he's been here a couple of times before. He's a fun guy to talk to. So uh, let's do War God off that brand new record. Raging through fields of agony 
that was White Tiger with Rock Warriors right before that team. Brand new Gravedigger, War God. What did you think of the Gravedigger? I liked it. I mean, they always put out consistently good music. Uh, yeah. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't uh, that much different, but it was good. It kept it, uh, it keeps the the metal alive, so to speak. Very formulaic is what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But not bad. Not bad. No, not at all. It's always good. Well, right after that, we had White Tiger. That was Mark St. John's band. He played with Kiss for like a blip on their radar over there. And uh, I think the band put out one record. That's the only album they had out. But his brother was also in the band. His real name is uh, uh, something Norton, I think his real last name is. uh, Mark Leslie Norton is his name. Yeah, okay. Mark St. John's like his stage name. And his brother was in the band on bass. I don't remember who was on drums, but uh, David Donato was the lead singer for that band. And he was actually in Black Sabbath for like a year or two. Oh, and okay. uh, I, I want to say 84, 85. Uh, I did a Sabbath show called The Sabbath Singers. I feature songs by all the people that sang with Black Sabbath. Right. And I actually have the demos that this guy sang on with Black Sabbath. So if you ever go back to that show, you look up that metal wow. matinee, yeah. you'll, hear, you'll hear him on, on one of the original tunes that Black Sabbath were recording wow. at that time. So uh, I don't know what happened, but uh, no albums ever came out. I don't remember the story. I, was, I barely remember yesterday, never mind all those years ago. But I remember he was in Kiss, like real short. Uh, uh, Bruce Kill took over for him, like on tour. He said he couldn't play anymore yeah, uh, because he had like, some kind yeah. of like arthritis, uh, yeah, yeah. like really bad arthritis, whatever. But after he finished with Kiss and everything, he had a whole bunch of other bands right after that. He was playing live with and recording. He was doing stuff with Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Uh, what the hell was that? Um, uh, I can't remember. Uh, I don't know if it was like a jam thing they were doing or some kind of tribute. I don't remember. But Video he, thing. Yeah, he played with quite a few people after that. I don't know if they ever, they ever recorded anything, any of these projects. So it leaves me to wonder if it was really his hand. I know he wasn't getting along with a lot of the guys in Kiss at that time for whatever reason. And I know when he passed away, they said it was because of something with his brain, like, uh, like an aneurysm or... Right. I don't remember what it was, but they said it was due to, like, uh, methamphetamines, like an overdose of drugs. Oh, wow. And that's what caused it. A, a brain hemorrhage, I think it was. A brain hemorrhage he had. Due to, so I think maybe, like, you know, they found out about him with the drugs and kiss. I'm just speculating. The man's dead. I don't want to talk bad about him. But yeah. um, just, I think that's what might have led to, like, him being out. I guess they figured, we just got rid of two guys like you. We're not going to go through this again, you know? No, no, no. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that's a, really good, that's a really good record. I love that guy's voice. He's got a great voice. Yeah, that was good, yeah, I'm going to dig up those Sabbath demo tapes with him on there. Maybe get on a, a tune next week by that. Okay, cool. We'll see what happens over there. All right, we're down to about a half hour. This Thursday on the Metal Matinee, it's Seven Dirty Words and a Few More. You know, the other day I was watching a movie, uh, one of those Kevin Smith movies, and George Collins, like in a lot of his movies. And I was, I was like laughing my ass off. You know, I forgot how funny he, he really was, George Collins, especially when he did a stand-up. You know, oh, back yeah. in the 70s, and I remember as a kid, you know, going next door to my, you know, you know, Joe Muzzy was my neighbor back then, and yeah. going next door to his house, because his brothers were older than we were, and they used to have all the records, and we used to go, like, sneak on the George Collin record, because back then there was cursing in there, and, you know, oh. you couldn't play it when you were a kid, you know, it was like, you know, your pants would kill you, but we used to, like, sneak into his basement and play the records when his brothers were out, and we used to laugh our asses off, like, with the seven dirty words, yeah. you know, and, and it was so funny, so, you know, let me do a metal show. With all the seven dirty words, and since I needed to fill up the hour with more music, and it was a few more. So all dirty words and curses that fit into that theme on this Thursday's Metal Matinee. So don't forget to tune in at 12 o'clock, and hopefully I'll be more awake this week than last week. Yeah. Last week I got home like 8 o'clock in the morning from work. So I slept like two hours. I got to do the show. I was like dragging my ass. I was like, I got to make this matinee later. I can't keep getting up that early no more on Thursday. It's killing me. 
Yeah, you used to do it at 1, and then you went back to 12. I, I did it at 1 because I was going to Weight Watchers at, at 11 o'clock, so by the time I got home, it was too late. <laughs> I think maybe I will move it back, give me a little bit more sleeping time in the morning. I'm like, I'm yeah, talking, I'm like, I'm looking at the screen, and, and it's blurry. <laughs> I can't even see the, like, the computer. I'm like, oh, man. Uh, I don't know how you do it, man. Uh, you know, it keeps me busy. And let me see who we got lined up for everybody next week. Hey, next week it's a great classic underground show. If anybody heard of these bands, <laughs> but I have, and I'm a big fan of both of them. We got singer Rick Anthony from the band Breaker from Canada from back in the 80s. He was also in the band Pathfinder. And we also have Gary Winslow from August Red Moon. And uh, Gary's band is featured prominently in that new L.A. Metal documentary that Bob Nalbanian is uh, putting out. And uh, I'm waiting to see that. Bob's a great guy. He hosts his own radio show on Shockwaves. I call Shockwaves on HardRadio.com, and he used to write for Metal Forces back in the early days. Bob's a great guy, and I'm looking forward to it. He's really featuring those classic cult underground 80s bands in this documentary. The only bad thing is that he put like a, a teaser clip from like the red carpet event from the debut, and he had some girl interviewing all the bands, and they were coming in, and this girl had no clue who these people were. I don't even think she was born when these bands came out, and I can see she had like a really hot, good-looking girl. Yeah. Asking dumb questions because, you know, people are looking at her for what she looks like, but she wasn't even that. So I'm watching this clip. Like, this girl don't know who she's talking to. She doesn't know anything about this music. And she's reading everything off her cue cards. And she read the same question. She asked every band the same question. Do you think that younger people would be influenced by you? And like, I think this band's wanted to say, we haven't played together in 30 years, lady. What are you talking about, you know? I tell you. Yeah, why didn't, have, why didn't Bob have me over there? Why didn't Bob? I would have paid to fly out there and been on that red carpet. I, I know about all these bands and their music. Yeah. You know, I'm not eye candy, at least not, you know, the under 50 crowd, but, you know, the old ladies really dig me. Yeah, definitely. You know? <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> but definitely check it out. You know, it's going to be a great documentary and a great video. And it'll feature yeah. a lot of those bands like August Red Moon, who will be on the show this Sunday coming up. So don't forget to tune in for that. Good. All right, let me see what I can do for you now. I guess uh, Germany won the World Cup, huh? Yeah. Thank God it's over. I got to tell you, here in New York, I don't think there's 100 people in all of New York State that have ever paid to go to a soccer game. It's just, it's just not a big sport here in New York. We had the Cosmos back in the 70s, remember, with Pele? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot where they played back then. You remember where they, I remember seeing a game on a school trip, but I don't remember where they played. Was it a Shea Stadium? stadium? Yeah, it was Shea Stadium, right? Yeah, and yeah. I, I guess there was a little bit of an audience for soccer maybe back then, even though I remember not being very crowded, the stadium. No, no. But New York, I mean, you, the U.S. in general is not really a big soccer state. You know, even though it's more prevalent that west than it is over here, and the West Coast, they have more teams and I guess more people go. But here in New York, I mean, you, you couldn't throw a million dollars into a ball field and get enough people to play a soccer game. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not very popular. Nah, but, uh, yeah. The World Cup was pretty popular. They got they got good uh, readership. Uh, readership. Oh, they really. definitely. And tomorrow people will forget about it, and then four years from now it'll start up again. <laughs> yeah. still, but they are bringing a, a soccer team to New York, I believe. I think the Yankees actually are part owners of it, and they're yeah. going to be playing at Yankee Stadium, I think, next year. That's, that's good. That's good for so them. So maybe it'll, maybe, uh, you know, maybe it'll happen. I don't know. Maybe well, they're going to have, they're gonna have to make it, like, really cheap because, I mean, who the hell could afford uh Oh, forget fun, it. You know? Especially that, you know, because that's a big that's a big sport, like the South American countries, you know, like down there. So you're going to get like maybe like a Mexican family with like 48 kids going there. And you can't yeah. charge them more than $5 a ticket because they'll never be able to afford it. Exactly. They're going to have to take pesos. At <laughs> that's, that's right. I'm lining up this week, as a matter of fact, get my illegal immigrant card for free from the state. You know, you don't have to have any addresses, any driver's license. You can just get yeah. a free card. 
So I told her, I said, forget, we should just go get a card, and when we get pulled over by the cops, we don't have to show them driver's licenses no more, because that's legal here, and we'll just get them to show them that ID card. That way they can't give us a ticket. They can't issue us a ticket. I tell you, you got the right idea. Right? What a great right country idea. we live in. What a great city, I tell you. God bless the city. This city is an immigrant's best friend, and a legal immigrant. Nothing wrong with a real immigrant that comes here the right way, and works yeah. and pays taxes, because you know what? That's what our families are grandparents did when they came and they worked they paid taxes they could trip yeah, my dad my dad came over we all came from somebody that came over here yeah. <laughs> none of us are native here but i'm what just saying that? at least back then they tried to you know learn the language that is that they gave up their own you know the native language or the culture that was who they are but they came there learned the language they, they worked to pay taxes yeah, they pay taxes don't take from us people that need it can't get it I, i'm not gonna you know what i talk about you with the politics i'm not gonna get started with that I'm trying can make to lay a whole, Yeah, we can make a whole show about that. So I don't want about you it. to blame it on me, so I'm trying to <laughs> lay low. <laughs> yeah, well, let that go. Well, speaking about Germany, here's anger. <laughs> this won't go the hard way.
But I tell you, if you're going to name your band Anger, you better write a song that's a little harder and heavier, you know? Uh, I was thinking, maybe you made a mistake with that name. No, you know, that's, you know that was the first demo tape. Well, that song wasn't on the demo, but Anger was the first demo tape I ever bought, I think. Well, maybe it was in Foster out of Chicago, but it was one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were a good band, I mean, back in the day. Actually, I don't think that was a German band. I think that was one from uh, Denmark. I, I got confused myself there for a minute. I can't remember anymore, you know? I'm getting old. Wild. Yeah, wild. Th- that was the one out of Denmark. I apologize, not the German oh. band. I had we talked about Germany with the uh, soccer guy, but they were out of uh, Denmark. Yeah. And that first demo, Louder Than Loud, was really good. And the next one, Metal Attack, was great. And then, like you know, four or five years after the demos, the album Reach for the Sky comes out, and they kind of got wimpy. But they should have definitely changed the name. I remember Anger, the blood was dripping off the name of it. You know, you can't you can't call yourself a band like that and, and play music. You know, and it sounds that way. It just doesn't work. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I All right, never mind. Well, you know what? Since we're talking about Germany, let's get on some of the, the German masters. I guess, like I said, James Kotag, I guess, is out of the Scorpions right now, getting his head together, according to the band, like you said, after uh, insulting Islam or whatever. <laughs> he locked them up for 30 days. Uh, so who knows if he's going to wind up back in the band again. But uh, we'll do some old-school Scorpions, the sales of Karen.
When the back of my mouth, I'm gonna get your soul here To comprehend and overstand, I feel what I feel Mother,
All right, we started. I started out with the Scorpions, Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye. I tell you, I've seen the band a dozen times back in the 80s, and HR is definitely one of the best frontmen in, in hardcore. What a show full of energy. You're definitely walking out of there breaking up a sweat. And we followed up with Oz and Midnight Lady. Yep. There was another song called Midnight Lady. I think that was by Kenny Rogers, but... <laughs> totally different. Alana Ritchie, one of those two. All right, well, we're going to wrap things up here today. I want to thank Tony Force of Sparta for being our guest tonight. Thank everybody for listening. I will see you guys Thursday for the Metal Matinee. It's your seven dirty words and a few more. And T, thank you for hanging out like always. It was good to bullshit a little bit today and not have to rush through with all the guests and music. Yeah, we had a good time. We had a good time. Absolutely. Playing the track. You got it. Anytime. You know that. Yeah, thank you. All right, so let's wrap it up here with some Liege Lord Dark Tales. We'll close it out. I will see you guys this Thursday. Take care. Take care, buddy. Good night, everybody. All right, here you go, Lee's Lord.
best heavy metal anywhere. BlogTalkRadio.com and Heavy Metal Mayhem. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.